Welcome to the Vici Mundum Show, a ministry of Our Lady of Mount Carmel Catholic Church in Newport News, Virginia. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> we have a, a nice little bluegrass lineup ready for our... our we're playing at a, uh, a nursing home next really? week. Yeah. I'm going to play some bluegrass music. The old ring and collar string band is making a comeback. <laughs> we're getting the band back together. We're coming back together, baby. <laughs> Uh, Are you on a mission from God? Yeah, yes. To, cool. to bring the band back together and play for our friends in the nursing home. It's going to be really nice. And these sisters actually lined it up. Our Dominican sisters here, two of them did. And they uh, their band name, we gave them their name. They did not come up with this themselves, so they are not held liable for this. But we call them the Not-So-Bad Habits. Yeah, it's a more appropriate name, I would say. Yeah, yeah, it's good. The not so bad habits. They're they're good habits. Um, and uh, very good. Yeah, so we're gonna be playing next week for them. It's gonna be a lot of fun. That's gonna be great. Yeah, and always good to get the band together. Chris sent out our our set list and was sending like some suggestions of new songs. And one of the song he sent this one song, and uh, me and one of the sisters are like, "Man, we don't. We're not that good." We're good, but we're not that good. So, like, we saw Chris sending all these new songs we have to learn. We're like, man, we've already got a set list. We don't want to play new songs. So we started getting all anxious, and then I listened to one of the songs, and it was a Bollywood song that he sent. (laughs) (laughs) What? It was fantastic. (laughs) So I showed it to the sister. I was talking to her. She's like, I don't. why is Chris sending all these songs? We already have a set list. I don't have time to learn a new song. Like, hold on. Just listen to the sister. And it's this guy singing. How does it go, Chris? London to Makata, the Natanatane. Sounds like a winner. Yeah. yeah. So we will not be playing any Bollywood, unfortunately, this time. Just bluegrass. But. So speaking Bolly, of Bollygrass, Bolly, there actually is a band. There's a band called Hindu Grass. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, they play the sitar, um, oh, and they've got so a cool. drum and a guitar. Chris and I were listening to them a little bit yesterday. Yeah, They're what great. are they called again? Hindu Grass. Uh, Hindu Grass. Hindu there Grass. <laughs> It's a real thing. Interessante. <laughs> well, folks, uh, wherever you're listening, we welcome you to the Vici Mundum Show. Um, and we have a very special guest here today. Um, we have Chris Masla, seminarian Chris Masla. Uh, and in a few weeks, how many weeks, Chris? Gosh, oh, like a week and a half, two. 10 days? It's uh, about nine days until nine the ordination. Days from yeah. our recording. So when this podcast comes out, he might be getting ordained tomorrow. Yes, huh. that's true. Yeah, because it'll that's probably be cool. Out. Yeah, that's wild. So, uh, Chris will, is very soon to be a deacon. We're thrilled about that. Um, and then, uh, of course, we've got seminarian Anthony Ferguson here with us, um, our our trusty in house seminarian. He'll be a deacon in another year, God willing. Yep. And then uh, I'm Austin Fahrenholt, uh, director of advancement. And in the background, we have our youth minister Ken White. Oh, I'm here. <laughs> He he's kind of sharing a mic with Anthony, and we'll be piping in with his his Ken White wisdom uh, from time to time. Hopefully, we don't break the microphone by swinging it back and forth. They're already like falling off of our contraptions. It's kind of weird. Yeah, we something weird's going on. Microphones are falling from the sky. <laughs> we, we don't really know why. <laughs> Um, so at any rate, um, I thought we would uh, talk about. I was I was chatting with Chris yesterday, um, and since he is going to be at the time that you're listening to this, if you listen to it the day it comes out, Chris will be be being ordained a deacon tomorrow. That it'd be really cool if we could talk about the diaconate a little bit, um, mm-hmm. since mm-hmm. it's 
probably very much on your mind, Chris. Um, a little bit. <laughs> just a little bit, yeah. <laughs> just a huge life-changing event taking place. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, that was um, exactly what I was hoping we could talk about. Uh, it certainly has been on my mind, especially the promises, which are um, an integral part of the ordination rite. Um I wanted to reflect with you guys today a little bit about those promises that uh, a transitional deacon makes, and uh, namely those three—the three main promises I'm speaking about—are the promise to celibacy, lifelong celibacy, for the sake of the kingdom of God; the promise to obedience, um, to be obedient to your bishop and his successors. And uh, thirdly, the promise to pray, uh, the Liturgy of the Hours. Mm-hmm. Um, and what, what does that mean? Like, why do we make these promises? Um, and they're and, not vows, right? I mean, they're... Right. That was a, there's was a some, distinction, right? There's a little bit of a distinction. We don't call them vows um, because vows are made um, directly to God. Um, when we speak about vows, we're, we're usually speaking about religious vows when they make their, their um, vows to poverty, chastity, and obedience. Um, they're making those, those vows to God. The transitional deacon, um, soon to be priest, makes his promises to his bishop, um, essentially. And in marriage, the promises, you actually, um, the technical name for those are, are actually promises as well because they're made to each other, the mm. uh, husband to the wife, the wife to her husband. Um, so anyway, just a little bit of a distinction yeah, that's in terms huh. promises versus vows. Um, so this these promises are, to be a good podcast. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> We're not vowing that to God, just promising it to all you listeners. Yes. <laughs> With the help of God, yes. If um, it's not, we won't publish it. May God, who's begun this good podcast, bring it to completion or fulfillment. Or... <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, so tell us about these, Chris. We've got obedience, uh, celibacy, and liturgy of the hours, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so over the course of this last year in, in seminary, and, and I, along with Anthony Ferguson, go to seminary up in the Catholic University of America in D.C., um, we, uh, or, or I have been this past year reflecting on, on these promises with my um, formation advisor. We have a relationship with one of the faculty members at the seminary. It's called the formation advisor. And he kind of helps you to reflect on these promises as you, as you get closer to ordination. And so, um, and so that's what we did a lot of in our meetings this past year. Um, we, we kind of prayed together about celibacy. He would give me readings on the, on various promises to reflect on. And I really, um, I saw my, my whole outlook on these promises kind of develop and change over mm-hmm. the course of the year and, and grow, um, and, and expand, you know, what does it mean to be a, a celibate man? What does it mean to be obedient to your bishop? What does it mean to promise to pray Liturgy of the Hours? It's like, we'll start with that one, I guess. Yeah. Um, When you promise to pray the Liturgy of the Hours, which is um, the official prayer of the Universal Catholic Church, um, you pray five times a day, every day, uh, as an ordained person. You're you're bound by uh, by law, by canon law, to pray all five of these. uh, We actually call them offices, even though it's called Liturgy of the Hours, each individual prayer um morning prayer daytime prayer evening prayer night prayer office or readings they're called uh, offices um you pray all five of these offices every every day um throughout the day and it's kind of a way of uh first of all just consecrating the um the whole day to god 
Hmm. Um, you kind of uh, you pray these throughout the day as a way to constantly turn back to God. It's it's almost like that uh, the theme of continuing um, constant conversion, um, constant constantly turning back to the Lord. Um, One of the things the that I love about the Liturgy of the Hours too is that it's it really incorporates the way that Jesus prayed because it's a lot of Psalms, absolutely, you know, and that's how Jesus was kind of praying through his passion and everything. So you're you're always going back to the Psalms, and it's really seeped in Scripture. Absolutely, so it just starts permeating your brain. It's pretty cool. It is. It is very very biblical. The whole thing, um, just like the Mass, but <laughs> the Liturgy of the Hours is no different. It's very scriptural based. Very biblical. Um, it's the root of it. The core of it is like Austin said. It's it's praying the Psalms, which is something Jesus, as a as a Jewish man, would have done a lot of praying praying over the Psalms, and uh, and it's it's a way of also interceding for um, the church, interceding for the salvation of really the whole world. Um, and it's prayed the same prayers every day. All five offices are are prayed in unison with the whole universal church, which is something cool to think about. You know, someone on the other side of the world will be praying the same uh, morning mm. prayer that I'm I'm praying this morning, for example. But um, at the same time, praying five times a day is hard. Uh, it's, <laughs> it really is. Uh, I still struggle with it. I um, isn't that all you're gonna do though? Is like a priest and deacon and just sit around and pray, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> if only. <laughs> so it's. I mean, yes. Uh, but we'll we'll get we'll get there. We're not there yet. I want to I wanted to start off by saying praying praying the uh, office five times a day. In addition to your other prayers that you do, you know, in addition to saying saying the mass as a priest, um, in addition to praying the rosary, um, which is something we should do every day and something I'm trying to do every day. In addition to all the other prayers um, and holy hours we 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 do in our in our regular prayer life. In addition to that, these five hours take about an hour total. Mm-hmm. So it's like an, an extra hour of prayer to your regular prayer routine and that's um that's not easy yeah that takes uh it takes effort it's a uh, sacrifice i mean and it, a sacrifice yeah it, it really is but. yeah and and so i i was thinking to myself i'm going to be promising um to do this for the rest of my life mm. five times a day and it, there are many days when i look at it literally the hours is kind of a I mean, kind of an extra burden. Like I, some, some days I'm really just, uh, I'm kind of not into it. I'm, I'm praying fast through morning prayer or something, just trying to, to get, get ready for class or whatever at the seminary, just getting through morning prayer, gulping um, down coffee, gulping down <laughs> cups and cups of coffee. <laughs> Lord, open my lips so that I can drink more coffee. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, and then Man. my mouth will proclaim your praise. <laughs> <laughs> my caffeinated mouth shall declare your praise. <laughs> And just to throw this out there with the Liturgy of the Hours, this is something that um, that I pray. I'm not bound by it by any promise. Yes. Um, and I, I don't right. I do not do it, you know, all the hours every day. But, folks, if you've never heard of it before, there's actually an app you can download called iBrevery. Um, fantastic. And you can just jump right in and start praying with the Church Universal. Don't be downloading that Laudate app because it's the wrong translation. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's other good prayers on there. but the, Yeah. It, the, mm-hmm. I mean, God will still listen to you or something. Yeah. It's like the, <laughs> it's like the UK translation. So, yeah. you know. But, you know, and, and seminarians. I think it counts. So, but. like, Chris and I have been, like, preparing 
to make this promise. It's mm-hmm. not like it's not like the church just springs this on us and is like, all right, now you have to pray all these offices every single day forever. Um, throughout our seminary formation, we've been encouraged all along to to begin adding hours. So, like at the beginning, you know, they they kind of recommend that you start off with morning prayer and evening prayer, which are are kind of thought of as the hinge hours, right, Chris? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The main the main offices for the day: morning prayer and evening prayer. Um, yeah, and, and then like over the years, we've you know we've practiced to kind of like okay now i'm going to try to pray office every day office of readings every day and some days i won't some days i will but you practice you make that a habit mm-hmm. and and before long i mean i know that i've found anyways with with regard to the liturgy of the hours i find that i have more time because you have structured your day in such a way around prayer that you have more order there's more order to your day. You're like, okay, it's six o'clock. I need to start thinking about praying evening prayer. And then you set that time away for, for the Lord. And then you suddenly realize, okay, it's, it's six twenty, and I still have time for dinner. I still have time for reading. I still have time for all this stuff. And I've, I've made it more holy now. I've made it God sanctified it. Yes. Yeah. I've sanctified that time. So, I mean, it's a, it's a wonderful practice. I definitely encourage our listeners to, to read more about it, to think about doing it. So absolutely. Great. Absolutely. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful devotion that, that all Catholics are encouraged to, to do, um, not just clergy, not just religious. Um, but just to, to get back to that original point, you know, um, it's a beautiful practice. It's a beautiful prayer. Um, I've grown to, to, to love it more and more as, as the years have gone on, but I also see the times where it can be difficult and, uh, it just got me reflecting on, on why we make this promise in the first place to pray all five hours. Um, why is it one of the main three promises a, a transitional deacon will, will make or, or a permanent deacon? Although I think it's different for a permanent deacon um, in terms of the requirement. I think they're, aren't they technically required just to pray morning and evening prayer? I don't um, know. Or all five. I, I'm not sure about that. I think it might be because because of the you know the obligations to with the family and everything, it might mm. be a, a different requirement. Oh, that's interesting for a permanent oh. deacon than a transitional deacon. We'll do some research, folks. Don't hold us to that. <laughs> we'll do research and probably never report back. <laughs> I want to hear about celibacy. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll get there. I'm just oh, going to okay, wrap sorry, up this I'm last point. On. Sorry, I know we got to move on, but uh, <laughs> um, but yes, not to rush you, but we're running out of time. <laughs> <laughs> we do have to move on, but yes. Uh, in talking with my formation advisor, I came to see essentially that this is the bottom line with with liturgy of the hours that when you promise to pray all five offices each day, um, the the main reason you promise to to do this is because you are becoming a man of prayer uh, in a, in a new way with the ordination with the grace of ordination. Um, you're being consecrated uh, to serve uh, the people of God and to teach others to pray. Um, and so you need to be a man of prayer yourself. That's that's kind of the reason that you have this obligation of praying all five offices. You're, you're imitating Jesus Christ, who, who lived a life of prayer, was constantly praying to his Father and communion with his Father. And, and so I, as a, as a transitional deacon and soon-to-be priest, uh, am promising to be a man who kind of builds his whole life around prayer and who will be teaching others how to pray. And so that's that's really how I see it now. Like why we do why we make this promise. And, and I can attest as a layperson to be surrounded by seminarians and priests who are holy men and who devote themselves to prayer. And even our religious sisters here at the school. I mean, it has a profound impact on the lady when when a priest does this um, or or religious really commits themselves to that. 
uh, it's contagious. You know, you see that peace and that holiness, and it makes you also want to imitate that. So mm-hmm. that's great. Mm-hmm. So let's hear about celibacy. All right, celibacy's <laughs> next. Okay, celibacy or whichever one you want to do next. But yeah, either. it's fine. Yeah, right. we can, we can I go. I think to obedience celibacy. is the hardest. So many <laughs> many priests do say obedience is the hardest. Maybe we can end with that one. But um, yeah, celibacy <laughs> best for last. So, <laughs> let's talk about. No, celibacy. that's interesting. That obedience they say is harder than celibacy. That, I think that's almost counterintuitive. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, I'm, uh, anyway, not to jump ahead. Let's talk about celibacy. <laughs> Why does celibacy seem so hard for so many people? <laughs> well, you know, um, honestly, it is. <laughs> it is. Um, it just is. But it's. It was actually one of the the biggest kind of obstacles for me when I was discerning in college. You know, the uh, commitment to celibacy. Um, it was something that I, I really wrestled with a lot. Uh, you know, why uh, could I, I really asked myself a lot, could I give this up, this, this great good of, um, a wife and a family? Um, and I was dating in college, you know, I, I, um, I, uh, was kind of in between or I, I'd really just ended a relationship and I was started discerning, um, the priesthood, um, in the midst of all of that, uh, this other girl comes along in, in my life and <laughs> she always does. It, there's always, <laughs> there's always a girl that comes along in the last, you know, stages of discernment when you're about oh, to man. jump into <laughs> priestly discernment. Um, and I, I did have to, I had to make a choice in college. I remember and it was a very tough choice. Um, choose this girl or choose to continue on this other path that God mm-hmm. was, um, that I believed God was leading me on. Um, and obviously I ultimately chose the latter, but, uh, but yeah, celibacy was a big, um, big obstacle for me. And, um, I think it is for many seminarians. You're promising to, uh, to give up, um, having a wife, uh, children, um, the intimacy that's found within the context of marriage. Um, and you know, these are of course goods. <laughs> these are blessings that God gives, um, that God gives us, you know, uh, a marriage, uh, a marriage is is full of, um, you know, blessings of fruitfulness and, and intimacy. Uh, having a family, uh, these are of course, um, these are of course really wonderful goods that are that are being, um, that are being given up when you become a priest in the Roman rite. And uh, and why do, why do we do this? You know, what's the uh, the root of this this promise? Um, and I think at its core, it's uh, a sign of. Of total dedication um, to Christ, the high priest who is a celibate man himself. Um, it's uh, it's a commitment, also to um, and this is this is actually what I came to realize. Not only are you imitating um, Jesus Christ in the priesthood, um, who is celibate for the sake of of God's kingdom. Um, but you're really in in the priesthood. You're choosing a, and this just kind of hit me like a ton of bricks this past year. You're you're choosing a different kind of marriage in a mm-hmm. sense. It's not it's not necessarily a complete, um, you know, renunciation or giving up as a better word, a giving up of marriage altogether. It's actually choosing a different kind of marriage. Mm-hmm. And some of the saints even saw this. Uh, Saint Therese of Lisieux kind of talks about celibacy in, in this in this way, of how it's um, you're choosing a different kind of marriage. You're united to Christ, actually, in um in a very deep way. In uh, His Church, of course, <laughs> you know the Bride of Christ. Uh, you're, you're united to to, to Christ and His Church in a, in a deeply intimate way when you're a, a celibate person. 
um, man or woman. And, um, and that's kind of how uh, I came to see this is when I was made a candidate for holy orders, um, this past year, I was, uh, I was up in front of the Bishop during Vespers and he started to ask us, um, ask all of us who were being made candidates for, for, uh, holy orders, you know, do you, uh, resolve to complete your formation and continue on this path, uh, to priesthood or to holy orders really, uh, first to diaconate. And we said, uh, we didn't say, you know, yes, your excellency. We said, I do. Hmm. <laughs> kind of like a marriage. Kind of like a marriage. Yeah. yeah I, I kind of realized that, wow, like I'm entering into this different kind of marriage for the sake of God's kingdom. Um, and, and I think those words are intentional. I do. Yeah. Um, and because you have the bishop in front of you who, in a real profound way, is standing in place of Christ himself. Um, Christ is present in the bishop. Um, and he's asking you these, you know, do you resolve to do this? And, and yeah, you, so, so it's, um, I once for, for many years only saw the sacrifice of celibacy. I only was able to ever see the cross. And I think that's why originally it was so hard for me in my college years. Um, but even through, through many of my early years in seminary, it was still, uh, it was still a, a tough, a tough promise to, reconcile with but that's because i think i only saw the cross of it isn't that kind of um, the way of the christian walk too like when you look at christianity from the outside all you see is the cross and it mm -hmm. it seems so hard and so heavy but you don't see the union and the marriage of it all the time that when you really enter into a relationship with christ it becomes about the union you know not about uh and and the cross is part of that but not about the heaviness of it because um, his burden is light, his yoke is easy. You know, it becomes about that fulfilling union. That's that's a beautiful reflection. Chris. Yeah. Well, yeah. thank you. Yeah, um, and just to jump in. Welcome am, to the podcast, Ken. <laughs> still here. No, I just uh, that I think sometimes going along with what you were saying, Austin. <clears throat> there's this temptation to either or, right? Like either or, Chris. You're saying like either. I get married or I don't, but it's it's not really that. It's a it's a different kind of marriage. I remember just a memory came back to me when I was in the process of discernment myself. Am I called to marriage? Am I called to the priesthood? And I had a priest explain to me that in becoming a priest, I am not rejecting like the girl, like a girl in my life, so to speak, but I am loving her in a different way. Right, so it's not like well now I don't have any kind of relationship at all with this person. It's just a different kind of relationship, but the the call to serve is still there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, I mean, so that that reminds me of an experience in prayer that I've had actually on pastoral year. It's just like the real re, the the realization that I will love all people better, uh, all people better as a priest. Mm. And, and so, like, it's about how we're built to love. And so, someone that's called to holy orders, to especially like the celibate priesthood, then you're going to love people better as a celibate. Like, you're built. God has prepared you for this life, yeah. and and it's hard. Like, I continue to wrestle with this. It's not, and I I think plenty of priests would say that they. It's not an easy road. It never is. But um, it's also sure. fruitful. So, like, there's so along the lines of marriage, you know, we're all called to fruitfulness in some way. So like, um, 
you know, marriage, there's very tangible fruit in children <laughs> or in, in the relationship that a husband and wife exhibit. Um, in the priesthood, you are being a, a spiritual father, right? Um, so, like, there's still fruitfulness. There's still generativity. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Oh, excuse me. There we go. Um, <laughs> Get your mic soul. all set up there, Chris. You're doing yeah. great. <laughs> You're doing this just is my fan. first podcast I've ever been on in my whole life, so I apologize if I mess things up. But <laughs> so uh, everybody stopped listening because we invited Chris Maslow. <laughs> not. <laughs> but yeah, everything you guys were saying. Um, absolutely, I'm not denying. I was never um, trying to deny the the sacrifice of, of celibacy, but I wanted to just highlight that fact that um there's more to it you know th- there's always more to it and it's it's with every every promise we make i'm i'm seeing there are multiple sides of this and and uh i um i'm glad we're we're talking about this and i'm glad i had the chance this past year to reflect on these with the seminary faculty because there is um there's so much more um than what we we see sometimes and uh, and with celibacy you know it's it's exactly what what can and um Anthony, we're saying, you know, it's the celibate person's invited to to a charity that's that's open to all. Um, it's fru- it is fruitful, like uh, Anthony was saying. Uh, it in- it kind of it increases a person's ability to to listen to the word of God um, and to pray. Uh, it's a sacrificial love. Just I mean, just like marriage is a sacrificial love, a, a celibate's life is a sacrificial love that inspires others to. Um, to faithful chastity. It's kind of like Liturgy of the Hours should be inspiring um, others to pray. Uh, a celibate, celibate's life, just um, by virtue of being uh, celibate and a public person in the church, should also inspire others to um, practice faithful chastity in whatever vocation they're, mm, that's they're in. I think it's really important too. Um, and yes, it gives it gives some freedom um, in in ministry and some extra flexibility. You don't have um, a family to be caring for um, and to be devoting time to. But I I don't like to bring that up as the first reason for celibacy. No, yeah, uh, I never I never like uh, immediately going to that. Oh yeah, it, it frees you up. It frees you up for ministry. No, I think that's a that's way down the list. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> yeah, and and it can kind of come across as seeming like a family is a burden. You know, that you yes. have to be free from them. But uh, yeah, and it makes celibacy strictly utilitarian. Yes, yeah, yeah. Which is just not what it is. Yeah, there's exactly. that just can be a benefit at times. But yeah, yeah. Um, so Chris, we have about five. We try to keep these around a half hour so we've oh, got sure. about five yeah. six minutes left um, yeah, yeah you must obey <laughs> transition <laughs> obedience <laughs> great transition anthony is the, the master of transitions <laughs> <laughs> all right so obedience the last the last promise and i think um I, it should be said here as well we didn't what we didn't touch on in this podcast is the whole issue of simplicity of life mm-hmm. and this is kind of wrapped up in the ordination rite and also in a sense related to every promise we make i think simplicity of life um even though it's not one of the three we're talking about today it's very important and i, I think it it really seriously impacts and informs each of the individual promises we've touched on today um, in some way, shape, or form. And I think that might be a separate podcast for later. Definitely. Uh, Show for another day. When you become a priest. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or whenever. Then you can yeah, tell but... us about your simple life. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and that's a challenging one, too. But uh, but for obedience, you know, I think for many years, 
I, I saw obedience as kind of military like obedience, like, yes, sir. You know, um, when I, your bishop tells you to do something or to go somewhere, um, yes, your excellency, yes, sir, right away, you know, kind of it's, it's that military like obedience. You, you have no say in the matter. You're yeah. going, you're going to do whatever you're told essentially. And there's, that's true. Um, there's some truth to that, but once again, um, there's, there's more to the picture here, I think, than, than just a submissive, you know, attitude, um, with a promise to obedience. And so I began to see over the course of this past year, uh, obedience is, is really encompassing much more than this unquestioning submission to authority, your, your bishop. There's a, there's a spiritual writer, um, an author, George Ashenbrenner. He's a Jesuit, um, who wrote a book, um, Goodness, I'm trying to remember the the it's name of the book. Fire or something. Yeah, igniting the fire within or something like that. It's uh, it's like the spirituality of a diocesan priest. Yeah, the spirituality yes. of that. That's like the subtitle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a great book, and and there's a chapter he in there he writes about obedience, and he, the way he puts it, I, I really was um was struck by. He he writes about obedience as primarily viewed through the lens of companionship and mission. Hmm. Um, he talks about. You know, you are cooperating, you are a cooperator with your bishop as a, an ordained person, as a clergy, um, whether you're a deacon or a priest. And so you're, you're really, you go wherever you're sent because um, you are an extension of the bishop's mission and ministry to the entire diocese. You know, the bishop can only be in one place at one time. Um, he relies on his priests, he relies on his, his deacons to cooperate with him so his vision um, for the diocese can be realized, really. Um, and so you are you are a companion with him. You, you should mm. we should view obedience, I think, in that in that light. Um, we are companions um, in mission with our bishop. You know that so. that kind of is very similar, I think, to to the obedience in a um, in a marriage. Uh, mm. That it's it's like a you know um, sometimes that that can be kind of a hard thing to swallow. But there's a level of like mutual submission that a husband and wife should have with each other. That we are companions um, and and duly submissive one to the other out of love and generosity to to do what's in the best interests of our kids. Yeah. And when one of us is like is out of sync with the other, um, then our kids are the ones who are impacted. So it kind of sounds like in the same way, like if you're out of sync with your bishop, mm-hmm. um, then it's your sheep who will be impacted. You know, yes. the parishioners who will be impacted. Yes. So it's mm-hmm. very much in your best interest to be in line and a companion with, with the bishop. And I think you, you kind of... Uh, included it in your phrase, submit to one another out of love. Mm-hmm. You know, like the 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 scripture comes to mind. If you love me, keep my commandments. If yeah. you love me, then obey me. You know, obedience and love go together. So when you obey your bishop, you're you're loving him as a as a as a fellow Christian, as a brother in Christ that's been given authority by Jesus. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I think that. I think that family image—it's—it's it's so good. It's—it's it's an illustrating what this is about. I think um, Ashton Brenner actually talks about that as an example. It's, oh, nice! It seems to be coming back to me. Um, but yeah, uh, companionship and mission—I uh, think—is a much better uh, starting point for looking at the, that promise as opposed to uh, just a mere submission to uh, to authority, like a, the military-like. Um, 
Because your good bishop is going to have, uh, I mean, you think of it almost like a good father in a, in a family is mm-hmm. going to have your best interest in mind and is going to want to look at your skills, your gifts, and really pull that out, you know, and, and make you the best possible deacon or priest you could ever be. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, there's no, uh, there shouldn't be, just like in a family, any, like I, I wouldn't assert my authority over my children just for the sake of asserting my authority, you know. You mm-hmm. sit on that couch just because I feel like telling you to sit on the couch. Like, and that's not, I don't <laughs> yeah. think what it is with the bishop and his priests or deacons. It's not like you're going to go here because I tell you to. It's, you know, it's, it's not like Shia LaBeouf. Just, just do it. <laughs> <laughs> just do it. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Just YouTube that if you've never heard that before. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Shia LaBeouf, just do it. Just yeah. Shia LaBeouf. Well, I think that's great, Chris, and I think we are. We're, we've probably blasted past our normal amount of time on a podcast. We're um, only at thirty-two. Oh, oh, okay, that's not bad. All right. <laughs> well, thanks for having me on. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Yeah, this morning, it's Chris, we are praying for you. Yes, thank you very we, much. And we can't wait for you to be ordained and a transitional deacon, and definitely as a priest next year. So it's great. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, and I and I do want to just uh, give a little shout out there. Chris has been he he recorded the music that's in our intro and our outro um, with a little harmonica action, some guitar and banjo. He's the man, the music man. And so, Chris, we appreciate it. That's great music. And we may even, as a little treat, uh, toss in one of our Ring and Collar string band songs at the end of this podcast. I don't know. You think we should do it, it guys? Yeah, yes. Why not? We're going to do yeah. it. Let's do it. Yes. I'll grab my <laughs> so banjo. listen to the end of our little disclaimer, and then we'll play you a song. <laughs> the views and opinions. No. <laughs> Ken, did you have anything? Any closing remarks you want to say? Well, part of the um, advantage of me sort of being in the background is I was able to find out the answer to the question about what the deacons promise, what the permanent oh, promise. Well done, so, Ken. Well done. Shout out to Deacon Dan Johnson, who texted me back about it. As part of the ordination rite, they vow to pray at least morning and night daily. So at least morning prayer and night that's louds and compline. Interesting. All right. Well, there's the answer. There's your answer. Well, folks, thanks again for tuning in. Remember to rate us, share share our um, podcast with your friends and family, uh, and always feel free to send an email to us, vichimundum1633 at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. So until next time, Our Lady of Mount Carmel. Pray Pray for for us. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the presenters alone and do not necessarily reflect the views of Our Lady of Mount Carmel Catholic Church in Newport News, Virginia, or the Catholic Diocese of Richmond. This podcast is presented to you by individuals who are not all necessarily experts in the field of discussion, but are answering the call to new evangelization and sharing the love of Christ with you. God bless you. Had it, folks. We're the Ring and Collar String Band. I'm Chris here. And I'm Austin, and we're going to sing you What Kind of Man. Three.